Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Creditor's Corner Legal Talk, presented by Smith, Debnam, Naren, Drake, St. Sing, and Myers, LLP. My name is Zachary Dunn, and I'm an associate in the firm's Consumer Financial Services Litigation and Compliance Group. Before we begin, I do want to note that the information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information and content is intended for general informational purposes only. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. Now with that out of the way, we'll turn to this week's topic, which is an exciting case out of the Fifth Circuit. Uh, our guest to discuss this important topic is Karen Enlow, who leads our Consumer Financial Services Litigation and Compliance Group. Hello, Karen. Hey, Zach. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, so, Karen, you just posted an article about a Fifth Circuit case that looked at arbitration provisions in the context of an adversary proceeding. Uh, care to tell us a little bit about that case? Yeah, so it was kind of interesting to me because uh, it comes out of a bankruptcy and it's dealing with arbitration clauses, which um, for creditors is one of the tools they always have in their tool belt when they're defending litigation. And in this case, um, it starts like any other bankruptcy. Uh, Ms. Henry had a student loan, amongst other debts, and filed a Chapter 13. She made all of her payments under the Chapter 13, and she got her discharge. Well, I think, as you know, Zach, most, uh, as a general rule, student loans are discharge are non-dischargeable in bankruptcy. Right. Um, there's very few exceptions to that. And so after her bankruptcy was discharged, her attorney sent a letter to the creditor that essentially uh, said, uh, this has been discharged, check. And the creditor came back and said, nah, not really, but not so we're going to take it as a cease and desist request. And so the issue arose as to whether the creditor had violated the discharge injunction, which is always issued pursuant to Section 524 of the Bankruptcy Code. And so the debtor filed a adversary proceeding in the bankruptcy, which, for those that don't know, is basically a lawsuit that's filed in the context of the bankruptcy. And filed it as a putative class action. And that's kind of important because it kind of explains why the creditor would go to the um, links of filing a motion to compel arbitration. But the underlying loan documents had an arbitration clause in it. And the arbitration clause was pretty broad, um, which you would hope that it would be. And good creditor is going to draft that pretty broadly. But it provided that any controversy or claim arising out of or related to this note or the alleged breach of this note shall be settled by arbitration in accordance with the commercial arbitration rules of the American Arbitration Association. Sounds pretty broad to me. Yeah, it is. And so uh, the creditor filed the motion to compel arbitration in the context of the adversary proceeding. The bankruptcy court denied that motion. And uh, as you know from some of the work that you and I have done, that's interlocutory. And we went ahead, and in the, in the bankruptcy court went ahead and requested that a appeal immediately be certified up to the Fifth Circuit. In bankruptcy, the, the, fir the first level of appeal is always the district court. And so it skips that level and, and went immediately up to the Fifth Circuit. Interesting. Um, so under the Federal Arbitration Act, aren't courts required to enforce covered arbitration agreements according to their terms? Well, you're right. Under the FAA, the general rule is that um, arbitration agreements should be enforced in accordance with their terms. But this case is interesting, and this is the reason how we, 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 we posted it, is because what happens when you have another statute that conflicts with or rubs right up against that? 
then which statute takes precedent? And that's kind of why this case went up. There was Fifth Circuit precedent that gave the bankruptcy courts discretion to deny those motions when they came in a discharge injunction proceeding. And there had been a case out of the U.S. Supreme Court, I think it was in 2018, Epic Systems, that has set forth a test of how you handle these when there is conflicting statutory authority. And the basis for the appeal was really simple, and that was whether or not the bankruptcy code gave the court, uh, there was enough in it to justify um, denying the motion to compel arbitration. Okay. Um, so why the interlocutory appeal versus just waiting until everything had been settled in the bankruptcy court? Well, because of the because of the precedential issue is whether the Fifth Circuit law was still good. And so that's why it went on up, and it went back up again on Epic Systems. Under Epic, the test is when you're confronted with two acts of Congress that touch on the same subject, um, what's the burden of proof? And in Epic, they said a party seeking to suggest that two statutes cannot be harmonized, which is the preferential, you know, position to take, and one to places the other, uh, the party that's seeking to do that bears a heavy burden of showing a clearly expressed congressional intent that such a result would follow, and says that the intention must be clear and manifest. So the court, well, the reason the Fifth Circuit looked at it was to see whether that was in line with their Fifth, their fifth Circuit, the, the precedent that had previously been in the Fifth Circuit, and whether that was overruling that, and they determined that the two were consistent with each other. Okay. So what are the key takeaways from their opinion? Well, I think there's a couple. You know, it, as, as, as a litigator, when we're dealing with putative class actions, um, arbitration provisions are a great tool because that forces the consumer into a single party case and, and takes away the class action, action aspect of it. So we're always looking when we're defending litigation for that opportunity. If we have it, if we're, if we're looking at putative class actions, is there an arbitration provision in the underlying contract that's broad enough for us to use? So that's one of the reasons this is important. And you know, one of the reasons you you might look at arbitration, one is the putative class action, but another one may be you may be in front of a venue that's not particularly friendly to the issue. And sometimes the value of arbitration is just simply that, you know, it's all or nothing if you're in litigation. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. But arbitrators tend to split the baby a little bit more. And so sometimes that's a desirable outcome. So that's one of, that, that's one of the key takeaways from it is you always should be looking at it and why. Second key takeaway is you've got to be looking at the arbitration clause. Interestingly, in this case, the bankruptcy court held that the arbitration clause would not cover this action. And so that's kind of, and, and then what's interesting is the Fifth Circuit said, well, look, we're not even going to reach that issue because we think the discretion was there. Uh, and we can talk about that in a second. I'll tell you kind of what, uh, why, why that was important in this case. Um, but we, they, they basically go on to suggest that, yeah, we think the provision actually was, was broad enough to cover a debt collection action, which essentially was the issue with the preference. I'm sorry, with the, um, with the discharge injunction. And, and so the other thing now you have to consider that I think is really the key takeaway from this case is if there's another statutory scheme that's going to rub up against the FAA, 
um, how are you going to reconcile the two? Uh, the preference is that you you treat them and you, that you that you harmonize them. But if you can't harmonize them, then you're looking for congressional intent, and that's really what happened in this case. When you've got a discharge injunction under Section 524 of the Bankruptcy Code. That's really an order of the court saying, creditors, you can no longer go after the consumer on this debt. And what the court looked at was when you have an act that is providing for that, you know, that's a compelling legislative reason that you would that you would give that deference over the arbitration clause. Great. Um one way that I always like to end the podcast is to ask the question, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to say about this case or about the implications of it on um, a creditor's position? Not really. I think, you know, it's it's pretty much, an, it, it's not a change in anything. That's the key with this case. It really didn't change anything. It's nothing ground-shaking. Um, it's the same analysis when you've got a bankruptcy and you've got an adversary proceeding and you're using arbitration clauses. Uh, you're all, there are, courts are always looking at it, whether it's a core proceeding, whether it's a non-core proceeding in the bankruptcy. Um, but there are way that these cases are not as likely to be successful on a motion to compel, at least in, in my experience. But it's something that you always should consider. Great. Well, thank you for joining us here on the podcast, uh, Creditors Corner Legal Talk. Uh, and thank you to Karen Enlow of Smith Debnam, Naren Drake, St. Singh and Myers, LLP. Thank you.